On the Crosstalk on WIZM, I'm Mike Hayes, Catherine Gale, the uh, a co-founder of Democracy Found. We've talked about this a couple of times with members of Democracy Found. It's a Wisconsin-based nonpartisan organization advocating for final five voting. Catherine Gale, good morning and thanks very much. Welcome to the Crosstalk. Thanks for talking with us. Good morning, Mike. I'm super happy to be talking with you this morning. Me too. Uh, just for those who are new to the game, can you give me the Reader's Digest version, a synopsis of what Final Five voting is and why you think it's a good idea? Absolutely, yes. Here's what we want to do. We want to change the way we vote so that we can change what the winners are incented to do on behalf of the people of Wisconsin, or of, shall we say, La Crosse. And what we've determined is that party primaries are a huge problem because they push both sides too far apart, and they can't afford to work together when they're in Washington, D.C., because they're afraid they'll lose their primary. So that's one of the key things we want to fix. And then uh, we also want to see more candidates be able to run so that we don't always or often feel that we have to choose between the lesser of two evils. So what Final Five does is take the power that the Constitution gives us in each state to set the rules for how we elect the members of Congress. We will get rid of party primaries, and instead, we're going to have just one primary where everybody running is on the same ballot regardless of their party. And when the voters come to the polls, they see all those candidates on one ballot and they pick their favorite. When the polls close and count the votes, the top five finishers will move on to the general election. So now we don't have just one Democrat and one Republican to choose from. We've got five candidates. Now we'll have a diverse, dynamic debate of issues, and constituencies and visions between the primary and the general. And then when you go to the general, now that you have five choices, you as the voter will have an opportunity to rank them in the order in which you like them. This is my top candidate, my first choice. My, and then if I can't have that candidate, this would be my second choice. And if I can't have those two, this would be my third choice. When the polls close in this race, in the general, we tally all the first-choice votes. And if one of those five candidates has a true majority over 50 percent, that's great. Election's over, and that candidate's the winner. But if nobody has a true majority, we eliminate the candidate who came in last place, and voters who had selected the candidate who's now out of the race have their second-choice counted instead. And in this way, it's really like a series of, in, of runoffs. But instead of having to keep coming back for, election, for another election physically, you cast all your votes at once. And this is how we figure out which of those five has the most support in the district. The last thing I'll say is one of the most powerful things about this reform is that it makes the most important election the general. The elections are no longer decided in the primary. And in the when our elected officials go to Washington, D.C., they will go with their powerful vision and ideology, yes. But when they're there, they now have the freedom to work collaboratively with their colleagues on, quote-unquote, the other side of the aisle 
because they are not terrified of losing their low turnout party primary with more ideological voters. So we're going to get the collaboration and negotiation that we need to see in D.C. that we have to use in our own life to solve complex problems. All right. A number of questions uh, uh, I have and some of my listeners have brought up when we've talked about this in the past is, does this kind of voting open the door for huge money to come into a state to uh, to push a particular candidate or two, uh, the opportunity for uh, a voter fraud is a concern if, for instance, you have, what did we have, 14 people running for president and the top five end up being Democrats. Uh, that would be a concern because now nobody, now I'm not going to the polls because you don't have a libertarian on the list or a Republican on the list and quote unquote, everybody voted for a Democrat. I guess that means the country is now turning, everybody's going to be blue and happy. How do you uh, help people understand that there won't be there will be less chance for voter fraud, less chance uh, uh, for a concern over something like that, and that that person who is elected still has to go to Washington and be a Democrat or a Republican or or a a libertarian, whatever the party might be. They still have to go to D.C. and uh, and follow those rules because they're not a, a mixed bag. Uh, they are uh, one or the other of those parties, aren't they? Okay, so these are all good questions, Mike. So let me take them in order. So the point about does this create an opportunity for huge money to come in and support a candidate or not? It certainly creates no more opportunity than currently exists. In fact, one of the reasons we have a lot of money in politics, and I'll talk about self-interested money in politics is because it's such a good return on investment, which is to say you only really need to invest in the primary and then you know who's won and you know, you know that they're going to win the general and who will be your, um, your representative in Congress. And so that is a sure bet in some ways, whereas in this healthy competition – free and open elections, I actually like to call it free market politics, um, we, it, is, it is not clear who's going to win. It's actually a race almost or very often on election day. And so that makes it somewhat more risky to put huge money in because you can't be sure you're going to get your return. So, so it could have that effect, but it certainly would never be worse than the, well, I don't believe it will be worse than the current situation. Never is probably something I shouldn't say. But the second thing is, will we ever have five Democrats make it through? If you had a district that was basically, you know, 100 percent Democratic district, it's possible that in the primary they might pick only Democrats. It's highly unlikely because in most districts there's a mix of, of other people. Even in red districts, they could, they're called red but they could easily have 60% Republicans and 40% Democrats. And so in the primary, those Republicans might select two or three Republicans to move forward, and the Democrats might select one Democrat or two Democrats to move forward. You'll also see independents, libertarians, greens make it through that primary. So it just wouldn't really be possible um, unless 
there are no more Republicans for only Democrats to be on a ballot. It, it could never work that way. Oh, I used never again. Um, I get it. <laughs> I think that's what I mean. Um, and as for voter fraud, here's the thing. We all need to be concerned and pay attention to the integrity of our election system. And we need to do that in the current system. And we need to do that under any new system that we would have. But the, the, the difficulty or um, the challenge of protecting the integrity of elections is the same. A conversation with Catherine Gale, moderated by Rusty Cunningham. The virtual webinar is Wednesday, next Wednesday, the 14th. If you would like to participate, it is leadershipethicswi.org. Catherine, thank you very much. Boy, we could just, I, you and I, I have so many questions and so little time. Thank you for talking with us this morning.